Good afternoon, and welcome to the Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. This program is sponsored by Triad Veterans League and associated with Boston Neighborhood Network. And we are really happy today to be with you. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. And today we will be talking with the good folks over at Whittier Street Community Health Center. I think we have Miss Raheem Alfam is here with us today. She's here, to be here. Thank you. He's here to talk about well, some things that we need to talk about as we preparing to kind of change up a little bit with the schools and uh, health concerns and everything. And hopefully, if she can't answer all the questions, she can answer most of them and we'll... Uh, Get her the next time when she comes back to answer the question that she couldn't answer when she came on today. How's that sound to you, Raheem? How's that? So, that sounds great. I'll do my best, uh, really. Yeah, we <laughs> appreciate that. Me. We appreciate that. Yes, indeed. How's everything going? What department are you in over there at Woody Street with my good friend, Frederica Williams? Things are going great at Whittier Street Health Center. You know, we're having, you know, patients again, enrolling in our services, you know, we do our best really to accommodate our patients, mm. uh, you know, with the best medical services in the best way we know how. So in the best way we know how. So uh, things are really going great at Whittier Street. That's Health good. Center. You yep. guys are busy. I know that much. We are, are all over the place. <laughs> we are indeed. We are busy. We're all over the place. And we're just happy to be at Whittier, you know, um, serving one mission, you know, giving the best health care that our patients really deserve. I can't Correct. say enough about the, uh, the pharmaceutical and, you know, being in our neighborhood and for mm-hmm. folks that can't get there, that they make that delivery to them. I thought that was... That is correct. That oh, is correct. Boy. We make deliveries to patients, mm-hmm. patients who have, like, barriers, yeah. you know, in terms of transportation. Mm-hmm. We we come to them yeah. to facilitate, the, you know, our services. Makes you really feel a part of the healthcare system, I'm sure. Correct, correct, correct. This is just part of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, part of our outreach services. We come to the patients when we, when they cannot come to us due to, for instance, uh, it can be um, uh, for financial re- reasons, yeah. for transportational, logistical, social, you yeah. name it. Um, Ashley, we just you know, come to our patients when they have these, oh, that's or wonderful. when they have such such barriers, correct? Right, right. And this, uh, where are you located at? Uh, so, well, you, let's we, are, mm-hmm. we are located at 1290 Tremont Street and Roxbury. Mm-hmm. Is that number still the same, 617-427-1000? It is correct. That is correct. The number okay. is still the same. All right, mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, just for a little updates, you know, of uh, concern regarding uh, things that are coming from pharmaceuticals and from the uh, uh, health care agencies that we know of, uh, mm-hmm. is there anything that you could tell us about uh, the uh, uh, pandemic uh, variances and do we need to be overly concerned 
as a community? We have, mm -hmm, we have not received anything, like officially anything from the CDC, but I can tell you, Ashley, but we, you know, we still encourage uh, patients when they, when they are feeling sick mm -hmm. to stay home, reschedule, you know, just the, you know, the general guidelines. We also encourage that to our employees. We, you know, so we still follow the guidance of, you know, of uh, the general health uh, precautions, you know, right. the co cover your cough when you sneeze, you know, mm -hmm. when you sneeze, sneeze with a tissue, wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. So we are still maintaining those general guidelines, right. you know, even though we have not received anything official yet from the CDC. You would be but, receiving you know, something if there was something of concern, wouldn't if, you? Absolutely, absolutely. If there was something of concern, we will definitely, first of all, read it, hear it in the news, read it in the media. All right. And we will also receive it as, you know, as a healthcare center, that's for sure. But nothing yet has uh, been passed on to us. What, to the what, what about this? What about the school situation? Are you in, in any kind of uh, knowledge of what they're doing in terms of uh, Prevention, mm -hmm. is, is, are they loosening the restrictions? Will they have the, uh, for instance, will they be wearing masks, you think? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am not the best person to speak about this, but okay. I'm sure if you reach out to, you know, to, um, let's say, um, officials in the educational, mm -hmm. um, you know, a system, they will definitely give you like a, uh, an accurate answer on that. Let I'm me. not sure of that. We hear, we hear that, you know, just like us, they have not received. I mean, if we have received something, then definitely they would have. But I am not the best person really to speak on that. Uh, okay. You know, this is the other, matter. this is the other page radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. We're here on uh, WBCALP 102.9. FM Boston, and today we are talking with a good friend. She's here to talk about uh, health concerns in the community. Raheem Alfam is here today, and uh, we uh, want to know a little bit more about uh, health care, and we have a question about the uh, how are things going with our uh, obesity situation, our young people. They're still crowding in fast food places, I tell you that much. And mm -hmm. uh, that's not a good thing. The obesity situation. not a good thing. I mean, I, I, I always say, Ashley, I mean, if you are really fun of burgers, mm -hmm. have your burgers, have your, make burgers at home. Okay. If you are crazy about pizza, make your own pizza. Always, I encourage homemade food to fight back your your love for fast food this is the best way to have fast food is to make it at home so that's just a way to fight obesity another way to fight obesity is just you know just following a healthy diet mm -hmm. avoid high carbs avoid fatty food avoid uh high sugars just make balance Moderation is key, whether it's food, whether and and everything. Moderation right. is key, right. really, especially especially your diet, because right. ob obesity is a really really a serious health issue, really. And here at Whittier, we are actually doing a lot. 
to fight back obesity in terms of education, in terms of, um, you know, one-on-one counseling with patients, in terms of uh, pamphlets, in terms of, you know, newsletters, reaching out to patients with all sort of educational materials. And um, yeah, so... It's just a, you know, a oh, thing it's a wonderful thing to, to know that you're doing what you're doing, Raheem, you know, around educating people because, you know, obesity can lead to other kind of illnesses. For instance, Correct. if I'm not mistaken, I think it can do something that has to do with high blood pressure. Correct. That's correct. High blood pressure, diabetes, and even to certain kinds of cancer. So, right. Obesity is a serious thing, and when you feel that you are gaining weight, try to stop, think, and, you know, act. Act, really act. Do something about it. Be concerned so about your we health. Do, we'll be right back. We'll be right, right back. Right, we'll right. We'll be right you know, back. Doctors, exactly. Doctors are do you a veteran have, you know, 50%. Hold up one minute. Hold up one minute. Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible, struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. People won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Tell me, this is a real, real... That was a heavy. That was a heavy PSA right there, Raheem. You know, talking about the the fentanyl crisis that we have in our community. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I know that Whittier Street. You know, they try to be on front with everything that we're doing in our community. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your What are your thoughts about this? Well, okay. Let me just tell you what I do at Whittier. I'm a patient navigator for mammography. Okay. And of course, I have mammography that has something to do with breast cancer. Correct. Correct. Mammography, and of course, I am uh, also. You know, we do a lot of outreach and educational. um, You know, um, educational. Let's say. Provision for our patients, but my job is a patient navigator for mammography. So this is what what I do. I provide personalized assistance and resources to women. Right. Okay. In need for assistance for them to have a mammogram. Right. So this is what I do. And how is that going? That is going actually great. And it's and 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 it's done through a procedure it's done through a process Mm -hmm. you know it starts with checking insurance uh, scheduling patients Mm -hmm. Uh, before i schedule them i screen them for mammography so there is actually a process for that so this is what i do ashley but of course i welcome other questions for sure well let me ask you a question on monography because i think that that's what we need to also address here Mm -hmm. today is about the um the uh, proximity of of it having 
so much effect in our community. Uh, uh, how can we uh, be uh, more uh, uh, involved in educating so that we can reduce the number of uh, breast cancer patients? That is a great question, Ashley. We can do this by many ways. First of all, we have to understand our target population. Right. We have to tailor, yes, sir. We have to tailor our services to the needs of that population. Is do they have, for instance, do they? Um, we have to just look at the barriers mm -hmm. and fix those barriers. Work on the barriers to help the patients access. Uh, our mammography services. So this is something I just want to say before I tell you, you know, how responsive our patients are. You know, even like now we have patients who are, who really want to have mammograms. They want to have mammograms, all right? And we are, I'm happy as a, as a patient navigator, I'm happy to see how patients are, eager, open, will, they are very like willing to have their mammograms. So looking at our target population, our target population needs facilitation to help them access uh, mammograms more. So we have to look at that really, really seriously and address the barriers. Let me ask so you a that, question. Let me ask you a ahead. question. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I want our listening audience to, you know, hear this as much as they can. Right. You know, and uh, I want to know about, are there any any particular signs that uh, we should look for? And I want, I want, I want you to uh, explain that and what they are, because I think a lot of our people don't know what the signs are. Mm -hmm. And and that includes, uh, you know, males discussing, you know, situations with their partners. You know, mm -hmm. she might have some kind of symptoms and mm -hmm. him not knowing, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so he's not able to help her out. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. what are some of the symptoms? That is a great question, Ashley. I, I would tell you sometimes uh, lack of knowledge. They don't know what a mammogram is to start with. Right. So how can I do a, do something that I don't know anything about? Some think that a mammogram is something really hurtful mm -hmm. in terms of radiation, and it's better not to do it since I don't have symptoms. Okay. And that is wrong, because even if you don't have symptoms, that does not mean that you're, 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 you're free of the possibility of, you know, okay. God forbids, God forbids of having cancer. So if you're 40 and above, you should have a mammogram once a year just to make sure. If you're 40 or above, you said, right? If, exactly. Okay, if you're for, 40, 40 or older. And what, what, what a mammogram really does is dictation it it detects if you have if you have something wrong so it for instance it can see a, a cancer in the size of a pea pea all right mm -hmm. that is not something you can you can know only by touching your breast all right, right. so mammogram is a way to detect 
cancer before it becomes palpable, before a doctor can touch it. So it's just the best defense, really, for breast cancer. Is it an X-ray? You know? Is it an X-ray? It, it, sir, it is an X-ray. It's it's an, an X-ray. I can explain mm-hmm. it to you Go briefly. Ahead. Two pictures are taken of each breast, one from the top and one from the side. The X-ray is taken by a technologist who is trained in doing mammograms. After those X-rays are developed, they are examined by a radiologist. And as I told you, the purpose of uh, a mammogram is to find breast cancer early. So mammograms are just the best defense, really. So if women knew that, this will, you know, will like, will make them feel enthused and right. willing to have it. So education is very important here to to explain some untapped areas, you know, of you know, because of lack of knowledge, because they're they're scared probably right. of many misinformation many, is also one of misinformation, the reasons. Yeah, correct. Misinformation is one. Um, maybe she heard from a friend of hers or a neighbor that it's painful Mm -hmm. when it's not. It's just probably it can be a little discomforting for some, but some women feel no pain at all. So every person is different. So I remember I had a patient one time that I was screening over the phone, Ashley, Mm -hmm. and I asked her that this is, it is recommended that you have a mammogram. She, she told me she was Spanish, Spanish speaking. And I, I was using a phone interpreter over the, uh, the encounter. She said that, I don't want to have a mammogram. I told her, ma'am, can you tell me your reason? Because your role also is to counsel, like be a counselor too, but try to understand the barrier. She said, because my neighbor told me it's painful. Okay. And then I, and then I told her, I told her, I told her some women feel a little, a little discomfort. Other women don't feel no pain at all. And when I started saying that, Ashley, she said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and have one. You see, once you start educating them, it, it uh, you know, the, the vision becomes clearer for them, you know, on the necessity of having one. So this education is, again, again, I, I, I can't stress that enough. Do you education have any, do you important. have any, do you have any uh, uh, research information on the, uh, the the success and the failure rate of the mammogram? I actually do. I can tell you, for instance, uh, approximate numbers, like, yeah. for instance, right. uh, women who do mammograms are, for instance, uh, uh, are they, you know, the cancer can be detected okay. by by let's say by a high percent, I can't give numbers right now, but really by high percent. So uh, again, mammograms really work to detect cancer at a very early stage when it's the size of a pea. So I I can tell you over, I don't know, but above 50% definitely, uh, mammograms are just the best defense over they, 50. They can be 90 too, but I, I can't give uh, a specific number as I don't have okay. the researches right. Yeah. But so, the, but the age, the age starts at 40. Did you say? 
you that's know, when they should really begin to 40 check and themselves. Older, yeah. Mm-hmm. 40 and older, some, um, let's say, other uh, facilities, say 50 and older, is, is like highly recommended. Mm-hmm. But we at Whittier recommend mammograms for women 40 and older. Because so you deal with a... a a multi-ethnic population, meaning what do you... Exactly, exactly, where, for instance, I can tell you that mammography is not very clear. The concept of mammography itself is not clear for the uh, ethnicity that we are serving, uh, you know, uh, African-American, mm-hmm. Latina, mm-hmm. Latinos, all right, and uh, other other, of course, uh, other ethnicities. You have a lot, like, you have a lot of uh, people that are not uh, abreast on the medical research. And, and, you know, I don't want to be like I'm sp- specifically talking about one group, but because of people's religious persuasions, uh, because of uh, them not coming from uh, a technical uh, advanced society as we are, they have a see, problem. Sir, that is correct, sir. Uh, like, say, uh, foreign-born immigrants, right, right. all right? They, you know, thank you for asking that question, because they tend to avoid, like, the sophisticated health system. Right. They don't, they don't trust mm. the sophisticated health system. So it is my role as an Arab woman, all right, to... Well, not because I'm I'm Arab, but because I understand I'm a, a foreign-born uh, mm-hmm. immigrant, so I can relate to their fears and I understand their fears. My role here is to do the education part that the health system here is different, and that we provide the best health care, and you know, as and answer the uh, addressed concerns as they come. But I know, and I tell you this from experience, that they do not trust the sophisticated health systems. That's they sure. don't understand it. They don't understand it. They don't trust it because they are used to, like, um, systems that don't go through a process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And some referrals are not done throughout studies and throughout research. Well, we're going to so, have to have you back because uh, we're just scraping the surface of right. this discussion yeah. and Correct. the precautions that are <clears throat> are so much needed in our community, especially Correct. when we're talking about uh, signs and symptoms and the disparities in the knowledge that we find ourselves in. But we want to thank you for coming on Course, Not only that, we want to thank the esteemed leader there, uh, President Frederica Williams, who has been a friend of our program for several years now, and the work that she has mm-hmm. done for health care for the entire community is phenomenal, to say the least. And again, we want to thank Whittier, and your address is, what is your address again? My, my, my address, I am, yes, sir, we are at 1290 Tremont Street, Roxbury, Massachusetts. Okay, and the number there to make an appointment is 617-427-1000, is that right? That is correct, sir. Okay, so thanks again, Raheem Alfon, for coming in 
and share it with me. us. Uh, <laughs> and we'll look forward to having you back again. Take Thank care. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll be glad to. alaykum. alaykum salam Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, brother. Bye-bye. Good afternoon again, back with the second half of The Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. Our earlier guest was Faleem Alfam, who is a technician over at uh, Radio Street Community Health Center, and she was updating us on a very important health issue in our community, which is breast cancer. You know, folks, if you don't know, get yourself checked out. You know, uh, it's very important that we do prevention as opposed to treatment because... uh, uh, prevention is less painful than treatment. I think you all know that and agree with me on that. What we're going to talk about now is the phenomenal work that's being done by Triad Veterans League. Uh, you know, they are a veterans organization here in Boston, and they were founded by Haywood Fennell, yours truly, about 30 years ago. And uh, we are involved in advocating for veterans and their families. We talk about the policy changes that are needed. Uh, we talk about the sensitivity and the lack thereof uh, in treatment uh, over there in the Jamaica Plain Veterans Healthcare Systems. Now, when you go over there for treatment, uh, you like to be respected and you like to be able to talk with somebody that's culturally sensitive to uh, your situation. And uh, there is some improvement needed over there in that regard. Let's start off right there. And the and 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 we've been talking, meaning Triad Veterans League. We've been talking uh, for a few years now, and it seems as though uh, nobody's hearing us. But but let me tell you something. We had a conversation with the Boston president of the city council, Ed Flynn, who himself is a retired naval veteran, and he's going to provide some of his time uh, uh, shortly to discuss um, the uh, issues that we think that are important when it comes to veterans care and services. And so we're really happy about that. Triad Veterans League, uh, we use the principle of collaboration, working with other organizations to shape a strategy of uh, solutions driven to help our veterans. You know, veterans are an overlooked and underused community resource. And that's why I want to just say some things about Triad Veterans League, because uh, they are involved with a theater program. The Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program was founded in 1997. It was founded in 1997. So that means it was founded last century, right? That's 1997, 2023, right? Okay, so that's uh, almost 30 years. 26, if my count is correct. Going on 27 years that this veterans group 
has been able to assemble volunteer veterans to be the technical development team for the theater program. And I am so, so grateful to these veterans that are coming out and working with us. And let me just add to that. On August the 1st, 2023, we did the unveiling of the General Edward O. Gordine statue right there at Anubian Square, right across the street from Boston Police Station 2. There is a statue that was unveiled on August the 1st of General Edward O. Gordine, G-O-U-R-D-I-N, who was a man of so many talents, and he served in the United States military. He was an Olympic track star, won a silver medal uh, during World War II. He was in Korea in combat, and after he got out, he was a Harvard Law School graduate. He was involved as assistant district attorney. He later became the first black uh, judge in the Superior Court of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. This man did a lot of things, and he was a veteran, and he used his experiences from the military combined with his education and a desire to build. And that's what he did. And he passed. And when he passed, another veteran by the name of Ralph Francis Brown Jr., who is deceased now, but he saw the importance of putting up something to reignite the thinking of the importance of African-Americans, veterans, military experiences and sacrifices and tributes that did not come to them because of the racism that is still embedded in the United States military system. It's still there, folks. But Brother Ralph was able to put together a working group that is still going on even though he is past and his wife sits on that Edward O. Gordine statue committee with two of his children. And we were able, after several years, to get this statue in place At the corner of Washington Street, you see the Boston Police Station 2. And if you look, you will see this beautiful statue. And I mean the the briefings, the the imagery done by Karen Uthame, who is a fantastic artist. It shows the images from the American Revolution up to the Iraq War. Different, different. I mean, it's something for the community to go and see. And that's what I want you to do. Take time to learn about General Edward O. Gordine. 
take time to understand the significance of knowing about the African-American veterans' military contributions to keeping this country free. They represented so much, and it took too long, so long, to get this statue up. And we want to be perfectly clear that veterans are organizing themselves to become a part of a solution-driven strategy to help build our community because we have the skills. We have the education. We just need the opportunities to be more involved in our community. This is the other page radio. We're here at WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston's community radio station, and we'll be right back. Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible, struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. 857-204-5312. That's for you. 857-204-5312. That's me. If you need to talk to me about a veteran's issue, You have the information now. And if you didn't know that Robert Santiago is located downtown, is the commissioner for veterans services for the city of Boston on Hawthorne Street. I think it's 11 Hawthorne Street. Now you know Commissioner Robert Santiago, a retired naval veteran, is the commissioner for veterans' care and services. Robert Santiago is online. His information is there. On the state level, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is John. Santiago, a medical doctor, as well as a veteran. 
and he is on his office is located downtown Boston on Washington Street. He is online. His contact information, like Robert Santiago, they didn't have any relationship. But you can reach him. Or you can reach them. Because veterans need to be respected when it comes to getting housing, when it comes to getting jobs, when it comes to doing anything that's related to when they were in the military. I don't even want to start talking about the mental health uh, debilitations that we are involved in beyond PTSD. And you know, a lot of people are not understanding PTSD because a lot of them think that it solely uh, comes into play because of being involved in a combat situation. PTSD presents itself uh, based on an inability to cope with trauma. The inability to cope with trauma. Not being able to cope includes being incommunicado, not able to speak about it to anyone, but live in that darkness until you can't go any further and you have to have help. This is the other page radio. My name is Haywood Fennell Sr., and I'm a veteran, and I want to thank, go back to the veterans that are involved in our theater program. We have a theater program called the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program that was founded in 1997. And one of the people that worked to found the program is a brother by the name of Lauren Earl Roberts. He's not a veteran, but he's sensitive to the needs of veterans, and he worked to help get the theater program off the ground, to the stage, telling the story of African-American experiences that are related to cultural enrichment. Okay? I want to thank you, Brother Lauren, for your work and your participation. And we've gone now to October, we're coming up on October the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th. The Miss Marion Anderson and Friends Project about a time in American history when a woman by the name of Marion Anderson wanted to sing before a an integrated audience, and she was denied after her singing all over the world, doing opera and spirituals. And the daughters of the American Revolution would not allow her to sing in Constitutional Hall. They told her no. But being the powerful woman that she was, she did not accept no. She said, nope, I got to fight this. She ended up singing on the Easter Sunday in 1939 
before 75,000 people because she and her friends worked out a plan to show that the world was ready for integrated audiences, and that's coming to the Strand Theater October 13th, 14th, and 15th with uh, Stages Cultural Center being one of the participants doing all the liturgical dance in this production about this great woman, this great singer, this great civil rights worker. And we need to we need to get on board with this, this history piece, you know, because uh, people are trying to dismantle what we've done. Can you imagine getting up on a podium like uh, tonight they have the, or when you hear uh, Ron DeSantis say that, you know, Slaves benefited from being enslaved. Now, that's something to think about. Slaves who were free and came to this country and changed were the only, only people that came to America that were free were the people that came from the continent of Africa. They were the only ones, folks. Everybody else was coming out of the jails or some kind of persecution or indentured. Uh, and they were white, and, and some of them were uh, slaves. But they could buy their freedom at some point. They could pay their debt. They could leave those chains. Even though we left the chains, we still have the chains on our minds. And that's what we have to learn to deal with. We haven't learned that because we don't know our history. We don't know about the fortitude. We don't know about the determination to be free. Even when we fought, died, bodies left in places that nobody knows where they are. World War One, the 369th Infantry uh, Regiment, also known as the Hellfighters from Harlem, they fought in France, and they became the, the men of bronze. They called them the men of bronze because of their pigmentation and their bravery that kept France free. They gave them medals of honor for fighting for France, and they fought for the United States as well. We have a history of fighting for this country. That's why that statue of General Edward O. Gordine here in Boston, now standing in our community, is so important. Because people need to know, and we're going to try to create a program to educate what Black patriotism looks like. 54th Volunteer Reenactment uh, Program Project talks about black people making the decisive battles in the Civil War. And then they left the Civil War and went to fight in the West and all the other countries that are now 
immigrants in the United States and acting as though they're better than the African Americans that live here. What about the history of the Korean War? What about all the black people? And again, General Edward O. Gordon served in Korea. They have not fully understood the significance of the black military contribution because they fought, and 75 years ago, former President Harry S. Truman signed 9981 edit that made segregation in the United States military a thing of the past, even though we know it's still there. Harry S. Truman signed that decree, 9981, saying that the military was no longer segregated. You don't have to believe me, but it was segregated. And so Triad Veterans League, again, is working to make some corrections in terms of how do we honor our veterans the way that they're supposed to be honored. We got to work it. Are you a veteran, or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. You know, a lot of people think that veterans don't deserve anything. They had pictures of veterans coming from Vietnam and they would call them all kind of negative names and everything. And I don't think veterans went over there to do what they were ordered to do. War is not something that is accommodated to the human spirit. It lingers and it stains our minds. And we have to be understanding that these were human beings put in a situation where they were sent to die or to kill. You can't get in any plainer than that. And like I said, it stains the brain. These young men and women that were in uniform and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and had that experience of talking to a fellow comrade in uniform at 10 o'clock and at 1 o'clock, that comrade or you, were not anywhere to be found because of some 
incoming explosion. And they come home and their eyes are no longer bright but dull like a fish in the fish market on ice. They can't talk about it. The unbearable pain that's within caused a lot of them to try to self-medicate. Some of them might be over there at mass cash walking around in pain seeking relief by using fentanyl. We must take care better of our veterans. And we must reach out and help their families. We can't allow our veterans to become vegetables because they're not being able to get the treatment that they need as a direct result of their participating in the military. Veterans have children, and these children could not get the attention and provincial guidance from their fathers or mothers as a result of them being in the military. And so these kids that were not getting the attention that they need, they began to try to raise themselves. And as a direct result of that, our prisons are filled. We got a lot of daddies but no fathers because they weren't taught anything by their father because their father or mother wasn't able to do that because they needed treatment around a psychological profiling, but they didn't get that. But it's not too late to stand in demand for veterans. That is why I gave you the name of Robert Santiago, the Secretary of Veterans Services for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I said Robert, but I meant John, J-O-N. He's on, his office is located on Washington Street. And you can tell him that you heard it on the other page radio. And now Robert is the, sec- is the commissioner for the city of Boston. And the president of the Boston City Council, who's also a veteran's name, is Ed Flynn. All three of those names are online. All three of those numbers are online. Who speaks for you? You speak for you. You have to let folks know that they have their foot on your neck and you want to breathe. Veterans, stand up and speak out for your rights. This is serious times when you have a war going on in a place called Ukraine and they're getting billions of dollars and we can't even get enough resources to have a comprehensive veterans care and service center in our community here in Roxbury. You can do better than that, folks. We got to treat our veterans right. We can't forget them. 
you know, you have these July 4th and Veterans Day celebrations, and you have these pictures of people with all these flags. You know, they go and decorate the burying grounds with flags. And most of them, after they buried put the flags up and everything, they wait around and don't do nothing until the next year to put up the flags. That's not patriotism. Patriotism is when you honor those that have served because they deserve. And that's all I'm speaking about. We're not beggars. You know, and these elected officials that want to jump up when it's time for them to get campaigning busy and they want to say that they did this and they did that for veterans. I wish you would come and tell me that. Because I know you didn't show up. And you need to change your thinking because we need housing. We need health care. We need services for our family. This has been a great discussion, folks. We got to go now, but we thank you. Talk to you soon. Don't forget our veterans.